Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. However you want to make a splash this year, Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds can help every step of the way. Wool Runner Mizzles are shoes crafted with premium supernatural weather repellent materials. The high top uppers are moisture wicking merino wool with puddle guard technology, and the supernatural rubber treads ensure all weather traction, so you can jump into anything, rain or shine. Make a splash with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A L L B I R D S.com. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Katz. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. This week on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim and I report back from the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. We'll unveil our favorite new discoveries and review the latest from Zoe Deschanel and M. Ward of She and Him. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. Yes, prices are indeed dropping for the first time in a long time in the music industry. Jim, we've been wondering what took so long. Absolutely. Uh, the biggest record company in the world, Universal Music Group announced in the last few days that it is cutting the price of compact discs to $10 or less. First major price decrease in decades in the music industry. Consider that for the last 10 years, the sales of CDs have been plummeting. They were selling nearly a billion CDs a year 10 years ago. Now that total is under $400 million. It is a precipitous drop. It has created an economy in the music industry that is in a decade-long depression. Universal Music Group consists of 30% of the music sales in the U.S., Jim. The big question to me is whether the other three major labels are going to join them in cutting CD prices. Consider that this group has artists like U2, 50 Cent, Tom Petty, Lil Wayne, Eminem. It's a pretty significant start in the right direction, but is it going to be enough to turn things around for the music industry? I have two thoughts about that, Greg. Number one, there's three partners in selling physical products, CDs or vinyl albums. There's the record company, there's the retailer, and there's the artist. By far the largest proportion of a price of a CD goes to the record company. Retailers and artists forever have been asking for the price to come down because they think people will buy more music. 1981, Tom Petty was outraged when this same label group, Universal, wanted to jack up the price of his album at the time from 898 to 998. Number two, unless CDs, physical product, become as convenient and as inexpensive as the iTunes model of just downloading an album, there's no reason people are going to continue to buy physical product. This is a right move. You know, $10 for a shiny plastic disc with 10 or 12 songs seems like a good deal. Maybe people will go back to the physical world. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time to take a fast train. Lonely days are gone. I'm a going home. My baby just wrote me a letter. I don't care how much money I gotta spend. Got to get back to my baby again. Lonely days are gone. I'm a going home. My baby just wrote me a letter. 
Greg, as you well know, the amazing voice powering that 1967 number one hit, The Letter, by the Box Tops, is coming from a 16-year-old musician, Alex Chilton, the start of a legendary music career. He died last week in the city where he's been living for quite some time, New Orleans, at 59 years old. A giant in the music industry, in terms of influence, if not in terms of sales. Brian Eno once famously said of the Velvet Underground, they didn't sell a lot of records, but everyone who bought one went out and started a band. Certainly, in our generation of the indie rock of the 80s, the same was true of Alex Chilton and his really notable band, Big Star. But let's start at the beginning. Chilton grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, in a very musical household, very bohemian. His father was a jazz musician and started young, you know, and the box tops, age 16, becomes a worldwide superstar. They were a huge group in the 60s, broke up in 1970, and already at the tender age of 19 or 20, he was left feeling jaded and cynical. The music industry had messed him over. But there was this band, as we revealed a few months ago when we had Jody Stevens of Big Star. This band, Big Star, had formed three musicians in Memphis, and they brought Alex on, figuring this guy's already had one whole career. With him, we're going to have a Lennon and McCartney super duo with Chris Bell, who was writing songs for Big Star. And uh, that group in the early 70s made three tremendous albums that made the blueprint for power pop. Let's take those chiming guitars and gorgeous harmony vocals of the British Invasion and combine them with Memphis soul and real rock and roll grit. And we have this new sound. Amazing albums, number one record, and Radio City that didn't sell anything. There was a lot of trouble with ardent records. Rock critics loved them, and certainly people who were going to go out and form bands. Musicians loved them, but they didn't sell any records. Chris Bell left the group. Alex Chilton and Jody Stevens, the drummer, made only one more album together called Third Sister Lovers. And then Big Star was kind of forgotten for a little while. Chilton moved up to New York, made himself an indispensable part of the punk rock scene at CBGB, believe it or not, and would produce the first couple of Cramps records, the Panther Burns records. And then all of a sudden, something started to happen. In the late 80s, people were rediscovering Big Star. R.E.M. for years had been saying, we wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for what Big Star had done. And dozens and dozens of other bands, Matthew Sweet, Material Issue out of Chicago, the entire power pop world loved these records. The group reformed in the 90s and have been touring with members of the uh, Posies, that wonderful Seattle power pop band. We just spoke about them, as I said, a few months ago on Sound Opinions on the occasion of uh, this wonderful new box set that was a really nice primer on all of what Big Star had done. Chilton's solo records live on for a lot of people, like Flies on Sherbert in 1979 and Box Bottom in 81. A musician's musician, wouldn't you say? Without a doubt, Jim. And the fact that he died on the first day of the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas, which we're going to talk about extensively later on in this show, it was a significant event. It cast a pall over the entire event. The festival organizers said, we're going to dedicate South by Southwest to the memory of Alex Chilton. And there could have been no bigger gathering in the world of people who loved this man's music. Truly, as news spread about Chilton's death, they were in shock. There was a uh, panel discussion of Chilton's music and career earlier in the day on the last day of the festival. And then that night, what was to be a big star show turned into a a massive tribute concert to the music of Alex Chilton. It was a a wonderful moment. You had a variety of performers stepping in to take over Chilton's vocals while the rest of Big Star played. Jody Stevens on drums, Andy Hummel coming out of retirement, been out of the music scene for 30 years, the original bass player in Big Star. And then you had vocalists like Mike Mills of R.E.M., Chris Stamey, M. Ward, Evan Dandow, John Doe stepping in and performing his songs. One of the most powerful moving events I've ever seen. And we have to go out with a tribute to Alex Chilton ourselves. One of his great big star songs, I think, kind of sums up the feeling that night. It's called Thank You, Friends, one of Alex Chilton's finest songs on Sound Opinions. Thank you.
Thank you, friends, from Big Star on Sound Opinions in tribute to Alex Chilton, dead at the age of 59. And then she said, just because you become a young man now, it's still some things that you don't understand now. Before you ask some girl for a hand now, keep your freedom for as long as you can now. My mama told me, you better shop around. That is Shop Around, classic Motown hit from Smokey Robinson fronting the Miracles. Smokey was the uh, keynote speaker at South by Southwest 2010 and did a really good job, I thought, Greg, of imparting some timeless wisdom to the 2,000 bands worth of mm-hmm. musicians who had flocked into the Texas state capitol. South by Southwest, you and I have been going for about two decades each. I had done a preview interview with The Current out of Minneapolis before the start of this conference, and the DJ wanted to know, you know, at a time when you can scan that list of 2,000 bands and just sample their music online with the click of a mouse, is there still any reason to go to Texas? It seems to me that every year I come back re-energized, incredibly excited. You are jumping out of your seat right over there now. (laughs) It's not just the coffee. We have these musical discoveries that we know are going to make news in the months to come. That's why we go, and that's why we dedicate a show to it every year. Yes, you know, we're talking about nearly 2,000 bands, 13,000 registrants, and what I love about it is that we get to see bands that we don't normally see. Bands from all over the world that may come to Austin for one or two dates and maybe a couple of other ones right around it and then go back home and play the rest of the world but really aren't seen in the United States all that often. One of my favorite bands from Austin is a band just like that. They are established in Europe, they are established in South America, but very little known in North America, and I was grateful to have the opportunity to finally see them. You just don't get the same thrill Mm. from those MySpace streams as you do standing 10 feet in front of a band and having them (laughs) blow your ears off. And that's what Capsula did for me. This is a band originally out of uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, now based in Spain. They have toured extensively, but not much in the U.S., a co-ed trio combining acid rock and punk, blowing my ears off, as I said. The primary reason they were at South by Southwest was to collaborate with Ivan Julian, a man himself who has done some amazing music in his lifetime, one of the original members of the Voidoids, a punk band out in New York. But I have to say, the stuff that they're doing with Julian, where Julian is the main songwriter and vocalist in the band, isn't nearly as exciting as the stuff that they played off their April 2009 album, Rising Mountains. I saw a few sets where they it was just Capsula playing without Julian, and I was far more impressed with the band on its own than I was with him as the singer. So I'm going to play a track from that record. It's called Wild Sea from Capsula on Sound Opinions. from Capsula on Sound Opinions, one of my favorite moments at South by Southwest. Jim, what did you see at the festival that blew you away? 
I'll talk about another band, Greg, that I never thought I'd have the opportunity to see perform live. Mumia Troll is a long-running Russian rock band fronted by this insanely animated vocalist, Ilya Lagutenko. <laughs> um, they formed back in 1983 in Vladivostok, were persecuted consistently by the Communist Party, threatened with jail, Band had a breakup at one point because Lagotenko got uh, drafted into the Russian Air Navy. Now, they were supposed to come to the States, and I thought, wow, this is going to be really interesting to finally see this. And the South by Southwest website reported that Lagotenko had an emergency appendectomy on Oops. March 3rd. <laughs> and I thought, well, they're not going to be here, right? Yeah. And I'm wandering the convention center, and during the day in the Austin Convention Center, there are these stages that have additional acts because it's not enough to have music for 12 hours in the evening. And there they were on stage. Apparently, a burst appendix is nothing compared mm. to having survived communist persecution. He's on stage. He's He's rolling around like a madman. I'm talking John Lydon in pure Sex Pistols mode, complete wow. with the, the scary eyeballs, and he's contorting and twisting, and it's this sound of, like, early public image limited, that harsh post-punk experimental sound combined with Devo synthesizer pop, and it was just absolutely amazing. They put out an album last year uh, in the U.S. called Comrade Ambassador. They have a new EP this year called Paradise Ahead. I'm going to play a track by Mumia Troll, that means Mummy's Troll, if you you were wondering, called Medvedcita. Here it is on Sound Opinions. Medved Sita from Mumia Troll, one of Jim DeRogatis' favorite discoveries from the recent South by Southwest Music Conference. Coming up on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, we're going to continue sharing some of our favorite South by Southwest memories. And later on, Jim and I are going to review the new record from pop duo She and Him.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Greg Cott and me, Jim DeRogatis, we are talking about the South by Southwest Music Conference. From its humble origins, Greg, in 1987, it has become the biggest music festival in the world, really, the gathering of the world music industry, a weird combination of the Cannes Film Festival and Spring Break. <laughs> you and I have been going for two decades. We always come back excited about what we heard. What do you got next? Jim, one of the things that is remarkable about South by Southwest is the resilience of the bands. They have to be a hearty bunch. Yeah. <laughs> As uh, Smokey Robinson said in his keynote speech, toughen your skin. Yeah. Because you have to fight for attention. Some of these bars, they're really noisy. People are milling about. They want to be blown away. Otherwise, they're going to turn you off and have their own little mini conversations off in the, off in the corner. And you're going to be completely obscure and nobody's going to care. And I was a little bit worried because I went to see this band Efterklang from Denmark that plays a really kind of delicate brand of orchestral pop, or at least that was my perception in listening to their records. But they completely grabbed a crowd at this noisy bar and held them in the palm of their hands for the rest of the set. It was just a beautiful 45 minutes of music, and they pulled it off. Keyboards, horns, flutes, stringed instruments... It's a core four-piece band that often expands to nine pieces in concert. I believe they had seven or eight band members on stage with them at various points during this set. Just a beautiful example of what they do live. Their, their studio records are, as I said, kind of almost like chamber pop. The dynamics, very quiet moments, building to these crescendos and then back down to the quiet stuff. Live, they pulled it off beautifully. What I was really impressed with was multi-part harmonies, the way the instruments wove in and out of the mix, the melodies always there. But again, the fact that they were able to grab this audience's attention and never lose it for that 45-minute set was really impressive to me. I'm going to play a track from their third album, which just came out. It's called Magic Chairs, and the track is called Modern Drift. It was one of the highlights for me at South by Southwest from the band Efterklang on Sound Opinions. I can keep my head inside When the modern drift is all I have After Clang with the song Modern Drift, one of my South by Southwest highlights. Jim, what was next for you at South by Southwest? Greg, I came away excited about this Swedish act called JJ, a duo from Gothenburg, Sweden. Been a big indie buzz for a couple of years now. Their last record last year's uh, JJ Number no. 2 was a big favorite of one of our producers, Jason Saldana. You know, it's this kind of neat electronic pop, not unlike St. Etienne, but with a Swedish accent and a little more sunny and, and upbeat. I think a lot of people were disappointed to find that the electronic wizard of 
the duo, Joachim Benan, he came on, he hit play on the, the laptop, and then he disappeared, <laughs> leaving the female vocalist, Ellen Castlander, to sit there alone on a stool and just sing. I thought it was really charming. I kept flashing back to when I would see Nico, the Velvet Underground Chanteuse, just perform on a, on a bare stage playing harmonium. This, of course, was much, much sunnier. This was like the Velvets of Sunday morning instead of the torturous dark night Velvets. But I, I just loved it to pieces. And, and I thought that the lack of a stage show was actually appealing. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't trying to be something they, they're not. It was all about Ellen's voice, which I just was absolutely charmed by. This is a song from their new albums just coming out in the States. They're making a big buzz here right now because they're touring with the British band The XX. They're expected to make the festival circuit this summer. JJ number three is just about to come out, and the song is called Light. Here it is on Sound Opinions. That is J.J. from their forthcoming J.J. number three, a song called Light on Sound Opinions. Greg, what's your next South by Southwest discovery? Jim, I I also saw J.J., and while I love the music, I wasn't wild about the presentation. Again, I think it has a lot to do with the setting. Where do you see it? And, you know, how is the audience responding to it? Because that can affect the mood of of the set. In the case of this next band that I'm going to play, it didn't matter where they played. They could have set out in the middle of 6th Street, the buzzing avenue that is the center of South by Southwest with noise coming from every door Well, there's something like and 80 window. clubs and bars <laughs> yeah. in a one-mile strip. It's it, insane. It's a cacophony, and they still would have stood out. They would have seized your attention and say, listen to us. It's the band Sleigh Bells. It's a duo. Out of New York, a couple of members, Derek Miller, Alexis Krauss, who have been kicking around the New York scene for the last few years, formed this band only last year, don't even have an album out at this point, it's just a bunch of MySpace tracks at this point, really came to South by Southwest and owned every set that I saw. And people were talking about them afterwards, saying, you've got to see this band. I think a lot of it had to do with uh, Alexis Krauss's stage presence. She was not going to be ignored up there. Mm. And Derek Miller standing up there and playing these just gigantic riffs on guitar. And then the, the duo was backed by this uh, massive drum machine. It was just like a pile driver, like you were, you were being fed to a garbage compactor with these melodies over the top. A lot of repetition, but also a lot of, a lot of effervescence, a lot of fun, and a lot of violence in the music. Uh, combining all these elements couldn't take your eyes off them. A lot of minimalist bands at South by Southwest. Some guys just showing up with laptops and and playing them. JJ, you know, solo performing by herself on stage. Very much a trend in the music industry right now, and Sleigh Bells right in the middle of it with a track called AB Machines on Sound Opinions. Got my A machines on the table, got my B machines in the drawer. Got my A machines on the table, got my B machines in the drawer. Got my A machines on the table, got my B machines in the drawer. Got my A machines on the table, got my B machines in the drawer. Got my A machines on the table, got my B machines in the drawer. Got my A machines on the table, got my B machines in the drawer. Got my A 
Machines from Sleigh Bells on Sound Opinions, one of my favorites from South by Southwest. Jim, what do you got next? Greg, uh, another discovery I made was a fascinating artist, really a, a global in scope, Anna Catherine Hartley, better known as Uffy. Born in Florida, raised in Hong Kong, now based in Paris, has been making a lot of noise on the electronic underground, the dance world, for this uh, sort of hypersexual mix of synth-pop, electronica, and hip-hop. A lot of people in the dance world are saying that Kesha stole her entire act from Uffy. <laughs> She's been compared to those kind of Spartan early 80s female rappers, Latrim and uh-huh. salt and pepper where it was all about the lyric and kind of a minimal backing. I had a big hit already with a tune called Pop the Glock, ready to uff, and now is about to drop her uh, American debut, her first full-length album, Sex, Dreams, and Denim Jeans. Kind of foul-mouthed, kind of in-your-face, Courtney Love in the dance world. Yeah, maybe. Okay, I loved it. Here is a track called Ken Kiss from Uffy on Sound Opinions. Travel the whole world to try all kinds of stuff. I even tried out to put saxophone. 
hear how it sounds. That is Uffy with Ken Kiss, the cleaned up radio edit, Greg, mm-hmm. on Sound Opinions. We are talking about our experiences at South by Southwest. To share yours or to comment on anything in the rock world, call 888-859-1800 and we'll put it on the air. You can also email interact at soundopinions.org or connect to us on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back to wrap up our South by Southwest report and review the new album from She and Him after a short break on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and we have spent a week in Austin, Texas, covering the South by Southwest Music Conference, and this show is devoted to some of our favorite acts from that festival. Another one of my favorites is the band Baron Heaven. And again, Jim, I think representative of a wider trend. We just did a show on synth pop. What I saw a lot of at South by Southwest is that synth-pop aesthetic from the early 80s, combining with the garage rock that we've seen in the last decade and blending in new sounds, electro with the guitars and the drums, creating these kind of hybrid bands. Good examples of this lately, Passion Pit, Phoenix. You know, the XX, I think, are probably the most brilliant recent example of that. In fact, the XX played some marvelous showcases at South by Southwest as well. But this band, Baron Heaven, I think exemplified it very well. They put out a record last year called Beast Rest Fourth Mouth. What a mouthful that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a quartet originally out of the southeast, Alabama, Georgia. Now, of course, relocated to Brooklyn, where it seems uh, a lot of bands are relocating these days. I think days. it's stipulated by New York State law <laughs> that you have to live in Brooklyn if you make that sound. Apparently the move works some magic because they, they got a little bit of that garage rock thing that New York has been known for in the last decade, a little bit of that er, you know early decade sound of the Strokes combined with, with that synth-pop sound, electro meets garage rock, and it comes all together in this song, Wholehearted Mess, from their latest album. It's Baron Heaven on Sound Opinions.
That is Bear in Heaven with Wholehearted Mess on Sound Opinions. Mr. Cott's final discovery, and now for my last mind-blowing experience from South by Southwest 2010. Greg, you were talking about how hard it is sometimes to make an impact amid all of the noise of South by Southwest. Salem made an impact, okay? People hated this band. (laughs) People were actively booing them, trying to boo them off the stage at one of the big corporate parties. The gig I saw them, there was a lot of indifference and some hostility. I initially hated what I was seeing and hearing and then realized that I couldn't get it out from under my skin. I kept thinking of this sound and this experience. Let me give you the backstory. It's a trio from Traverse City, Michigan that had spent some time in Chicago. I believe they actually formed here. A mix of sounds I have never heard together. That gothic doom dark wave synthesizer sound combined with southern hip-hop crunk Mm, okay (laughs) and a little bit of electronica and trip-hop one of the things i think people hated live is that they were in the grand tradition of suicide the pioneering synthesizer duo that loved to confront the audience and try to get them angry you know these three musicians it's a woman and two men heather marlott and jack donahue and john holland were up on stage chain smoking the entire time (laughs) another woman who was never named or identified and didn't do anything just lay slatternly on on the foot (laughs) of the stage and chain smoked the whole time there was a a kind of a a in-your-face antagonism in the way they were delivering the raps and then heather marlott would come in and do these kind of ethereal vocals it made you think of a group of witches in the middle of the night in the forest doing this horrible coven thing probably (laughs) involved uh, sacrificing, you know, goats or something. It was scary, (laughs) but it was wonderful. It was sexy, but it was off-putting. And I still haven't completely got my head around it. There are, I think, four vinyl releases only, and now I think they're gearing up for an actual CD. It made an impact on me, right? How many times do do you or I come away from a show not knowing what the heck we just (laughs) saw? Confused. Salem did that for me. This is a song called Frost by Salem on Sound Opinions. That is Salem with Frost on Sound Opinions. If you'd like to see a list of all the bands that Greg and I talked about and a bunch more that we didn't even get to, you can go to soundopinions.org. If you can't sleep, I'll be there in your dreams. I'll be there in your dreams if you can. 
You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a pop duo, she and him, with a song called If You Can't Sleep, uh, Zoe Deschanel on lead vocals. Hollywood actress, 500 Days of Summer. She had a great role in Elf with Will Ferrell. She was the older sister of the, of the hero in Almost Famous, the great rock critic movie. And then she's got this little side project going on with M. Ward, a pretty good guitarist and songwriter and singer in his own right. This all started a few years ago when Deschanel sent Ward some of her songs, and he agreed to work with her primarily as a producer. Zoe Deschanel wrote most of the music and the lyrics for this music, and Volume 1 came out in 2008. It was kind of a surprise hit. Nobody quite knew what to make of the project. It was this pristine 60s-sounding pop music that resonated with the indie rock crowd. And now they're back for Volume 2. We're going to review the record in a second, but let's play a track from it first. It's called Thieves from She and Him on Sound Opinions. That is Thieves by She and Him from the new album, Volume 2, on Sound Opinions. Greg, I, I almost feel guilty about what I am about to do because Zoe Deschanel and M. Ward were quite gracious when we had them on the show a while back uh, touring in support of that first album, which I liked quite a bit. It was more jazzy and low-key, more cabaret than big, brill-building-style pop. But that song, Thieves, I hate it, and it's indicative of what I dislike about this album. Every single song on here, except the acapella tune you played uh, to bump into this, I, I keep thinking of that cotton commercial on TV <laughs> with Zoe Deschanel singing, The look, the touch, the fabric of your life. Oh, my God. It is so annoying. It is so bubbly, <laughs> effervescent. Every time uh, you think, oh, my goodness, now here's the big chorus, and, and then the ooh-ooh-ooh hook is going to come in. There's the ooh-ooh-ooh hook. It's so predictable. It's it's pedestrian, and it's just bumming me out, man. Buy it, burn it, trash it. i got to trash this record. Well, I think it's more diverse than you give it credit for. I mean, that that is a big brill-building pop song, and I love it. <laughs> and there's other varieties of songs here as well. I think they've expanded quite a bit from the very narrow parameters of that debut. I think the debut, she was 
still learning how to sing, frankly. And on this record, she's matured quite a bit as a vocalist, I think. There's a lot more nuance in her singing, and there's a lot more range in the kind of music that she's covering. You don't think it's overproduced? No. I mean, again, that song is an exception. That is probably the most produced track on the record. And then you go right back down to that a cappella song at the end. So there's a whole range of material. So what I'm impressed with is the fact that they've really expanded their sound. There's there's a little bit of country on this record. There's a little bit of flamenco even. You know, there's some of that piano pop that maybe Randy Newman might have done. They, they cover an NRBQ song. And they do it very well. I think this is a better album than the debut, actually. I think the the charm of that debut was that it sounded like here's the teenage girl singing with the curling iron in front of her mirror and kind of... (laughs) <laughs> you know, there's a there's a charm and an innocence to that, but it, it it has a finite lifespan. On this record, I think she's really growing as a vocalist, and I think this is a wonderful summer pop album. You know, you know, Pitchfork, and I don't often quote Pitchfork reviews, but they said this is like a hipster version of Grease. Oh my you know God. the musical, and I and I think that there's some some truth there. Boy, well, it's, it's just cloyingly you, saccharine you, and annoying. You and Pitchfork couldn't be more wrong. This is a very pleasant summer pop album, and I'm going to say buy it. Sorry, Greg, but that's a trash it from me, a buy it from you on the new She and Him. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have an in-studio appearance for an interview and a live performance by indie pop trio The Vivian Girls. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Jason Saldana is one of our producers. His favorite thing about South by Southwest was washed out. Robin Lynn is our other producer. Her favorite thing about South by Southwest is we weren't here to bother her for a week. <laughs> and, of course, our executive producer, our fearless leader, is Tori Southside Malatia, who was very happy with the bottle of mezcal we brought him home. On Sound Opinions... Everyone's a critic, so give us a call on our hotline, 
Each week, right after your show, I lunge for iTunes and buy something. This week, I'm crazy happy about Broken Bells, Owl City, and Spoon. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Luis down in Bloomington, Indiana, and I just finished listening to your show on Synth Pop on your podcast. A great show. I uh, always think you guys do a great job on talking about the genres. Uh, two recordings that I think really should have been mentioned, though, when anytime you talk about Synth Pop, one would be David Bowie's Low. I think if you spoke to any of the artists that were in the golden age of Synth Pop in the late 70s to the mid-80s, Every single one of them would probably mention David Bowie, and particularly Lowe, as an influence uh, on their music and on their recording, on the sound that they're putting forth on their synth-pop records. The other would be Donna Summer's I Feel Love. I know that's kind of usually lumped into the category of disco, but as you've mentioned before, that is a purely electronic recording through uh, Giorgio Moroder's production. And then com- combining that with Donna Summer's uh, truly human vocals really puts it in a classic, I think, synth-pop sound. Uh, appreciate your show. Always do a great job. Thanks. more messages. To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Most footwear brands use cheaper synthetic materials, but when it comes to quality, Mother Nature knows best. Allbirds took that idea and ran with their iconic wool runners. Wool runners are made with premium supernatural materials that are comfy and durable, so you can run to the ends of the earth or just to the store. Plus, they're machine washable. This year, take a big step forward for Mother Nature with Allbirds Wool Runner. Discover your perfect pair today at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.